Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Switch Focus. Uh, I'm Ginny Wu and we're at episode 11 this week. Last week was pretty big, so we've decided to go easy on you this time. Um, basically what that means is Andy's busy working hard this week with those dollar bills. So I'll be pseudo Andy for the day, aka your temporary host. And with me this week, as always, is Andrew Brown. Hello. <laughs> so what have you been up to this week, Andrew? Uh, I've been playing Skyrim and Battle Chef Brigade. Yes, good stuff. Basically the same here, um, with the exception of having played Rive as well, which we'll talk about a little bit as we move into our updates from last week's episode. So moving into our updates from last week's episode, the people from Rive, Two Tribes Games, actually got in touch with us via Twitter and they chucked us some Australia slash New Zealand eShop codes for their game. So Andy and I, um, being the two on the podcast that have that use the Australian slash New Zealand eShop, we actually thought we'd give Rive a go and we actually both pretty enjoy it. Um, so just in case we didn't cover it much last week, I don't think we did, it's sort of a game that blends old school shoot 'em up stuff with platforming and twin stick shooter elements. Personally, I felt like it was very Metal Slug inspired in sort of speed and momentum and all that. Um, so if you kind of like those old school arcade shoot 'em up games, it's probably a game for you. Uh, as per Andy's observation, you play as a redneck looter in a spaceship looking for scrap. And basically, you're trying to just make a living and everything the spaceship wants to kill you. So that's a familiar trope. I feel like we've all seen that one before. But Rive is honestly quite enjoyable. I feel like it's probably more fun for someone like me in short bursts because I'm not too into shoot 'em ups. But um, it's hard without being frustratingly hard. And so I think if you might not really be one that is sort of the pro shoot 'em up genre, it still is a fun pick. It's not too pricey. And I think they still have their 15% launch discount on the eShop. So yeah, it's worth checking it out. Um, I think one thing Andy said in particular that he enjoyed about it was that it kind of feels like Steam World Dig, or what he enjoyed about Steam World Dig, which is as you progress, the game will reward you and tantalize you and sort of keep your interest despite the levels often being quite similar and formulaic. So, I mean, give it a go. If it seems like your thing, it's your thing. Like I said, it's got like a Metal Slug feel, so it's got old school humor, which includes a lot of slightly cringy jokes. Um, so if that isn't for you or you don't like shoot 'em ups, give it a miss. Otherwise, it's got a lot of heart, so I try it out. We did say that we were going to revisit L.A. Noir this week after Andy had a bit of time with it, but as we all know, he isn't here today. So you're going to have to wait another week to hear about how he's finding L.A. Noir and Oxenfree in particular. But in the meantime, Andrew, you gave a pretty positive opinion on L.A. Noir last week, as did I. Um, do you still feel the same way? Or have there been any changes or developments? I still feel very positively towards L.A. Noir, but I'm also playing it very slowly. I've already played it and beaten it on Xbox 360 uh, back mm. in the day, back when it was semi-new. Uh, so I'm taking it very slowly. I'm in no rush to beat it this time, uh, and I'm just really making an effort to get a five-star rating on every mission before I move on to the next one. I'm only on, like, the seventh or eighth mission total. I'm in the middle of the traffic desk, and it will probably be sometime next year before I have it done. Yep, that's fair enough. Uh, I think Andy was saying the same thing. He sort of wanted to do a mission at a time, put it down, 
sort of come back to what he needs where he needs his detective fix um yeah i found that i've been much more occupied by skyrim bell chef brigade this week so i haven't been giving eleanor much attention but like you andrew i did beat it once previously so i'm not in a huge rush to see the end of it again but i mean i'm just glad that the port seems to be doing well on the eShop and that people are actually rediscovering or discovering for the first time the kind of game that eleanor is so while it may be a bit late for Bondi games, um, I hope that the people that worked on Eleanor see what's happening now and feel a little bit vindicated at least. Like, your game was good, we all loved it then, and I'm glad that people are loving it now. Alright, in terms of games that we talked about last week as well, I know we had a crack at Skyrim, and we had all sort of got through maybe the first bit. I don't know who got the furthest, I think we were sort of just mucking around trying to get... Um, oh, sorry, that we were just bucking around discussing everyone's classes and what builds we're going to play. Have you stuck with Stealth Archer, Andrew? I feel like you have from your Twitter clips that you've been posting. Yes, I'm very much in Stealth Archer. I've got my sneak skill up to 100 now, so I, I can basically Ooh. stand in the middle of a room and nobody will ever see me. And I can just keep shooting them full of arrows, which is a, a ridiculous way to play the game because it's not realistic at all like if you go yep. check my twitter timeline play critically on twitter i've posted a bunch of videos of just me standing in the middle of a hallway and people walking by me what was that what just shot me oh it must have been my imagination <laughs> you freaking idiots but that's amazing that's just what skyrim is that's it, it, it's a limitation of the engine and it's it's just it's fun it's stupid but it's fun so I, i'm enjoying it Good stuff. Um, well, aiming um, at range isn't as easy for me as Andrew makes it look. I think maybe I'm just motion control or just uh, just controlling uh, just controlling games in general. Maybe I'm just terrible at it, but I just still feel like I just can't get the accuracy that I want to play Archer well. Um, and I guess just trying out Skyrim and all its different features on the Switch, I still feel like motion controls are redundant. Um, I just don't want to use them. I don't think I'm good at them. They just kind of feel like they're tacked on a little bit more than in Mario Odyssey. Um, but it's not really impacting my enjoyment overall of the title. It's just, I don't think I've really quite found a game whereby motion controls hit that sweet spot whereby it's like, I need to use them and I like to use them. So I was hoping Skyrim might be it, but I guess we'll see um, where it brings us next. Um, obviously, I'm discounting games that are multiplayer games like Splatoon and ARMS, whereby motion controls are like just one of the many options you can have. I'm sort of talking about a game that sort of will rely on it and make it enjoyable to use. I might be asking too much at this stage, but I think after a good year of Switch games, we've got some hope on the horizon. How do you feel about the motion controls in Skyrim, Andrew? Have you been using them? Well Not so keen? That was the reason I actually went Stealth Archer, because usually I go uh, Stealth Assassin with a dagger build uh, mm. as my as the way I usually like to play Skyrim, and I do actually have that as a backup for when the bow is not working for me. But I went with an Archer build because I wanted to try the motion controls in Skyrim, but I don't think I made it an hour before I gave up on them, because they're just not enjoyable. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're they're really finicky, and uh, just the way gyroscope motion controls work is it always it tries to find a zero, a zero point mm. that it focuses on, uh, and every, all your movements are based based on where that zero point is, and the zero point is always moving, which I don't like, mm. and I've never liked that in gyroscope motion aiming. What I think is the gold standard of motion aiming 
is Resident Evil 4 Wii Edition, which uses the infrared bar as the zero point instead of just using wherever you have the controller positioned when you open up the aiming. Every time I play a game like Skyrim or like Breath of the Wild, I, mm-hmm. I want that experience again like I had with Resident Evil 4 Wii Edition, which I cannot, I, I cannot fathom that that game was not designed with motion controls in mind because they work so well. And I've never played another game that where they work as well as that. And I think it's all because of the IR bar, which is just a piece of technology that does not exist anymore. There's another yeah. Resident Evil game coming out on Switch on Tuesday. It's got motion controls in it. I'm hoping <laughs> it's going to be that again, but we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, well, I haven't played RE4 on the Wii U, but it seems like what you're describing is what I'm looking for in motion controls. So we'll see how the new Resident Evil game performs motion-wise. I'll keep my fingers crossed because I really, really do want a game that just makes motion controls feel effortless and just like, you know, they're a natural fit. And we haven't had that yet. So fingers crossed, just like Andrew, hopefully we'll get that next week. In one more update from last week's episode, the titular Doom, which everyone had a good discussion about last week, and what we thought we would cover this time would be the multiplayer aspect of Doom. So Andy isn't here for it, but he hasn't really got stuck into that yet. But I know Andrew's played a multiplayer match or two. How does it feel? Well, I'm contrasting it to the single player campaign. As I mentioned last week, I'm not often impressed by first person shooters because they just they all feel the same to me. And I was actually really impressed by the Doom campaign because it actually felt new and refreshing and the guns felt great to fire at enemies and everything was very fast-paced and there's really no other word for it. It's brutal. And everything felt like I had like an impact and I was just a super powerhouse. Then I went into multiplayer and I'm fighting a team of other Doom guys and my weapons don't feel like they have an impact uh everybody's just running around and everything feels like i'm firing a nerf gun at other enemies it's i just i'm amazed that the multiplayer and the single player in the same game can feel totally separated like they're not even the same game at all i played one match of the multiplayer and i'm done i have no desire to return to that ever again Well, there you have it. Um, Multiplayer feels just like every other FPS out there, which probably is an accurate assumption. I know it is for me as a Doom on the PC player. I mainly use multiplayer to play with my siblings and we sort of play the Halo modded maps. So we're not really using it to go up against other people per se. We're using it to relive our nostalgia for other FPS games. Mm. So there's probably a grain of of truth in there about how it feels sorry about how it feels less impactful than single player and i don't know if that's like a, a positive thing for single player or like a you know negative thing for the multiplayer i guess a bit of both but i guess if you're looking for a multiplayer game on the switch i mean there are so many other games that are just multiplayer or just tweet to be games that are played in co-op so i mean i would still recommend doom just for the story mode i'm sure andrew would as well but I think if you want a multiplayer title, I mean, there's Overcooked out there. There's a bunch of other party games. There's Moon Hunters. You know, if you want to play Doom just for multiplayer, maybe look at something else. (laughs) 
So now we're going to pop into the latest Switch news for the week. Um, probably one of the more impactful patches we've got this week is the big winter update for Splatoon 2. So I don't know if anyone out there is still regularly playing Splatoon 2. I know I pick it up my, mainly for the Splatfest and when my mates need someone else to pop on and play in their group. What about you, Andrew? Uh, I wanted to play all the Splatfests and I forgot there was one last week. So I've missed a Splatfest now and I'm concerned no. that I'm now going to use that as an excuse to never play it again. <laughs> but yeah. Hopefully it won't be like the Wii U where they just quit doing Splatfests after like a year. That was super lame. There was no reason to do that, and it just killed Splatoon on Wii U entirely. So hopefully this will get ongoing support. Well, yeah, I do hope that they keep supporting Splatoon 2. Um, it's probably been about what, almost half a year since it's come out, so the big patches that are being put out regularly probably will point towards continued support at least for another year, we're hoping. But this particular patch for Winter for Splatoon 2 in- includes four new maps. Um, two maps are actually from Splatoon 1. These are Arowana yes. Mall and Walleye Warehouse. Walleye Warehouse is awesome. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, maybe Andrew's going to find a reason to come back and play Slapfest again because Walleye Warehouse is going to be in the map rotation. Um, there's also going to be a new Salmon Run map and the level cap has been raised to 99 and then you can prestige after that. So I don't even know if I'm ever going to get to 50. I don't know where you are at, Andrew, but 99 seems so far away. I'm not even at level 20 yet. And (laughs) I got to say, one of my biggest complaints about Splatoon 2 is the level curve is so slow. Like, yeah. I, I can play an entire Splatfest that's like three to four hours of playing and gain one level. I mean, and I'm sure there are people out there who are at level 50 and above, and I don't even know how you do that. But then they probably look at me playing Breath of the Wild or Skyrim for 100 hours and going, I don't even know how you do that. So it's nice for those people, but I'm just looking at that and I'm like, eh. If you're going to boost the level cap that high, I really hope that you've lowered the experience requirements for the lower levels, because I've played Splatoon for like 50 hours total now, or whatever my time says, and I'm not even level 20, so yikes. Yeah, and I mean, you can prestige after 99, so I mean, I guess they're envisioning people out there prestiging and going to 99 all over again um i guess only time will tell i won't be one of those people because i'm nowhere near 50 i'm probably hovering around 30 at the moment if i'm lucky from memory probably more like mid-20s at this rate and i've played about as long as andrew has so um we'll see how it goes but i mean if you're one if you're one of those hardcore splatoon 2 players and i'm sure this will be good news for you um Apart from that, there's going to be four new hairstyles, which I am personally more excited about because I enjoy making my squid look hashtag aesthetic when I'm playing. Um, And there will also be a new game mode coming out in mid-December called Clam Blitz, which sounds like handball, but with clams. Um, So I guess we'll see how that plays when it actually comes out. Um, Are you excited for anything else, Andrew, apart from Walleye Warehouse? No, just Walleye Warehouse. I mean, I I was actually asking for that level to be brought in, so... (laughs) Well, there we go. Nintendo listening to fans. 
in other news, in terms of developers listening to fans and the Switch being a great ecosystem for all the games, which obviously everyone here at Switch Focus already knew, um, SNK, um, the people that make the Neo Geo games, has apparently done really well this year. And the reason it looks like is because of how well the Arca Neo Geo games have been selling on the Switch. So apparently their revenue's up around six to eight million dollars. Um, and it's all pointing towards basically the, su- the success of these older Neo Geo arcade games on this console. So as we've talked about many times before on the podcast, this is probably speaking to the trend of the porting culture on the Switch. Like some of the games on the charts right now in the eShop are games like Skyrim and Rocket League and Stardew Valley, like ports that are, you know, the most beautiful ports and ports that have had their heyday on other consoles already. So I'm thinking if SNK are profiting off the Neo Geo games, which are far more retro and arguably have a smaller target market than Rocket League, it shows what we already knew, that the Switch is a great and profitable ecosystem for developers to explore with existing old titles. Um, I know you, Andrew, in particular, were talking about a virtual console demand for the Switch. I think this probably bolsters your argument. Yeah, I mean, people asking for virtual console to come to Switch, it's already here. SNK has been releasing these Neo Geo games since day one. And, I mean, to say that the virtual console needs to come to the Switch is ridiculous, because it's, it's there right now. What they're really saying is, I want virtual console games from Nintendo to come. Why that hasn't happened yet is a good question. I honestly just can't believe that some studios are so skeptical about the Switch's success. I mean, if you can sell a crap ton of Aka Neo Geo games, I mean, what are we waiting for? Like, what are people waiting for? Well, I can't speak for some publishers, but I can speak to my suspicions, which is that they have a revenue model that depends on the Mm -hmm. console being always connected to the internet so they can always advertise to you and they can always sell you more stuff you know microtransactions the switch Mm -hmm. by the very nature of it being portable it's a fair guess that the player or the owner is not always going to be connected to the internet when they're playing with it so that is all the time revenue that is not being offered towards the publisher because the player is not connected to the internet So I think that might be the hesitation for some of the bigger publishers. Yeah, that's fair enough. Do you think that, I guess, that will go away if more microtransactions get offered? I mean, we know there are some on the eShop already, but I guess it's that lack of instant availability that's putting off these publishers, is what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Uh, And just also, you can't multi-platform to it. They put all this money into these amazing AAA quality games, or quadruple A quality games probably at this point, we should be start using that term, and the Switch just can't run it. So that could also be a reason that they are sinking all this money into these projects. They need to get a profit off of it, and going to the effort of putting it on the Switch oxymoronically uh, is actually not going to make them money because they would actually have to scale the project back and not spend so much money on it so that way it could run on a smaller console but then they might not make mm. a profit on it so it, it's a uh i'm sure it's a, a bewildering catch-22 that a lot of the bigger publishers are caught in right now with the switch they don't know what to make of it yeah fair enough Moving on to releases from Japan, which are not making their way over to the Western eShops. 
it's just been announced that there are no plans to localize Shinobi Reflet, Senran Kagura's new game on the Nintendo Switch. So if you remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago. Um, and this would be a game where you would get to interact um, with female NPCs um, on the Switch and it would make use of HD rumble technology. Um, we weren't quite sure how that would work yet, but I think we can sort of piece it together from what I've been saying. Um, so I guess the reason why this stuff is news um, is I guess I'm just trying to feel out how what our stance is at here at Switch Focus about having games um, like that that don't make their way to the Western eShop. I mean, bearing in mind that the, obviously we're not region locked on the Switch and we could play in Japanese if we really want to. But do you think that it's a good commercial move to not release, I guess, every game that you can on the variety of eShops? I mean, there's obviously a Western demand for Senran Kagura games, at least um, on Switch and other console sales. So what's your opinion on this, Andrew? Was this the X body spray game? no but it's got a similar idea (laughs) okay i'm not 100 sure what this is but i will say that there are some games that are not localized for the west because the culture there's too much of a culture clash when you bring it over like look at what happened when tokyo mirage sessions was translated and localized over and people flipped out because a lot of the stuff that they changed for it but that's because they didn't change it it wouldn't be the diehard fans that they were uh alienating through their changes it it would be getting a primetime news report about this game where you've got a man sexually harassing a 14 year old girl and he's portrayed as protagonist you know that that's Mm. just that's just cultural stuff that we need to respect and but we also need to not demand that it be brought over because it's going to create problems Mm. yeah that's a good point um i mean i'm based in new zealand and obviously we've had lots of games get censored um for i think reasons like that where stuff hasn't really fully translated over and some publishers aren't even submitting their games anymore for classification in the australian slash new zealand market because of it um, and I mean, that's fair enough, I guess, know your audience if you're a good developer. So um, if you're out there in Japan listening to us and you're playing Shinobi Reflex and Rankagura, you know, good on you. I hope you enjoy it. Um, part of me hopes that they will localize it one day because I'd want to play it. And I mean, if I'm going to go romancing a lady in a dating game, I want to know what I'm saying to her. So I'd rather play it in English than Japanese. But um, we'll see how it goes. Things could always change. And our last item in latest Switch news, there is now a demo for the game Nine Parchments on the eShop. So Andy and Andrew have both played this, and I've had a quick squiz at the trailer. It looks kind of like Magicka and Diablo. Um, Andy's initial thoughts were that the game looks amazing, it's got great themed music, and it is a bit of a Diablo clone set in a wizarding school. Um, how far have you gotten into it, Andrew? What are your thoughts? Uh, I didn't want to play it too much because it is just a demo. So I didn't mm-hmm. want to put a lot of time into it that I could be spending playing Battleship Brigade or even making progress on the demo that just then gets erased when I switch over to the retail version of the game because skipping yeah. ahead to the end of my comments, this is definitely a game I'm buying. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've had an eye on this since I think it was shown at the Indie Direct earlier in the year. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it's made from the same developer who made uh, Has Been Heroes, which came out like it was one of the first games on the eShop. And 
Uh, I'm a big apologist for that game, even though it didn't do very well critically. I, I think it's a great game. Uh, mm-hmm. But from the minute I saw the videos of this game, it showed four different players all gathered around this monster, all channeling like these magic beams into the monster. And I'm like, wow, that looks just like the wizard in Diablo 3. Now, the wizard in Diablo 3 has this great ability called Incinerate, where you just develop this beam of fire energy from your hand that just penetrates everything in front of you. And it, if you power it up and do it well, it annihilates everything. It's so satisfying to use. Now, what I got from looking at just the trailer to Nine Parchments was somebody took this great ability and made an entire game around it. And I'm like, I am <laughs> on board for that. And uh, it, it's in the demo, they don't throw as many enemies at you as Diablo 3 does. Uh, and it's uh, much more strategic. Like uh, each wizard has three different abilities and you'll run into enemies that have like a shield that you have to break down by using a specific ability. The one character I used is able to actually create a poison aura on the ground. And then he has another ability, which is an ice beam, which if you concentrate it on an enemy, they'll get trapped in place. So I was getting them in the poison circle and trapping them in place with the ice beam. And that was how I played through most of it. And then there's also a bunch of new characters to unlock, which is, I think is kind of this developer's, uh, trademark because that has been heroes had a very similar mechanic and you also unlock new hats and new stabs that your character can use as far as i can tell these are just cosmetic but it's cool that you can Mm -hmm. personalize your character there so uh i think this would be a game that i'm gonna spend a lot of time with it it does look like it's focused more on co-op so i think you'll probably get more out of this game if you have friends to play with or uh, if you're going to play online, which I think this might be the first Switch game that I play online extensively, uh, aside from Splatoon 2. But it, there's something there for single players, too. Uh, I'm definitely interested. Good stuff. Well, I think my interest is peaked. It wasn't originally on my radar, but I love Diablo 3. I can't even think um, how many hours I've sunk into that. I don't want to think about how many hours I've put into Diablo 3 and how many hours I've spent farming that game. But that kind of gameplay I really enjoy. So as someone who would have someone to play the game with, this seems 100% up my alley. Um, I think it's not out for another two weeks or something like that. So we'll keep an eye on it here in Switch Focus and we'll update you with our opinions when the game's actually been released. And now it's time to talk about the new releases on the Switch this week. There were quite a few, but um, I think... Um, It's slowing down a bit from the initial rush of earlier in the year, and we're not quite as overwhelmed. But this week on the Switch, Gear Club Unlimited came out. I think that might be a racing game. Um, MXGP3, the official motocross video game, was also out. Um, Dead Synchronicity, Tomorrow Comes Today. Transcripted was also released. Um, Kid Trip, Worms WMD, Crimson Land. Neo Geo Soccer Brawl, Letter Quest Remastered, which Andrew has played on the Vita. We might revisit that again later. Um, Portal Knights is also out. Um, Andrew, do you have any thoughts about Portal Knights? I haven't played it. It came highly recommended from a friend of mine. I'm waiting for the physical version to come out, which a developer, uh, actually I think the publisher confirmed with me on Twitter, is coming in February. Uh, it looks like uh, Minecraft-like. It's, it's a voxel game. Uh, where mm-hmm. it's more based on RPG mechanics. You, know, like you build your character and like you do break down stuff, but instead of 
building things, like building structures, you're actually building equipment to, to develop your character and develop your skills. And you also mm-hmm. find keys from the enemies that you use to open up new lands to go through. And the whole thing is procedurally generated, and it's all playable online. So it looks like it could be pretty cool. Also on our list, we've got Mantis Burn Racing, which is apparently a bumper-to-bumper racing game that utilizes tactile gameplay. Our friends at Pocketoid Podcast said that they're really interested in Mantis Burn Racing and they want to see how it plays with our analog triggers. So I'm not sure if Andy or myself will pick this one up. I'm not sure if you're a huge racing fan, Andrew, but if you listeners have any comments about Mantis Burn Racing, feel free to let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, we'd like to see a little bit more about it. Um, Pocketoid Podcast have also recommended Stick It to the Man. Apparently it's excellent. And this is a title by Double Fine. So they did the puzzle game The Cave a few years ago. And it looks a little zany. It's got an aesthetic and a humor that reminds me personally of Tim Burton. Um, the gist is you've got a huge arm. And you've got to use your huge arm to get to places. Um, not 100% my cup of tea, but it appears to come well recommended by the good people at Pogatoid. So it could be up your alley. What about you, Andrew? It's on my wish list, but I, I've got too much of a backlog. I need to beat the games i've got now so uh yeah. i got one game this week one new game that we're going to talk about in a bit but that was it i cut myself off fair call um another couple of releases this week there's ernog unlimited i think i pronounced that right there's just too many U's in this game's name um this is an over-the-top puzzle platformer but instead of, I guess, taking your time and thinking about logic puzzles, it looks like most of the puzzles are solved by blasting your way through things. So this could be a great stress reliever. Um, it's been out on the PC for about a week or so already, and it's by Nifless Games. If that sounds familiar, they developed that um, spaceship simulator puzzle game on the Wii U, Affordable Space Adventures. Um, it looks pretty offbeat, a little bit like Slime San in feel, so check it out if you're a platforming fiend or want something a little different. Um, otherwise, you may enjoy Super Beat Zonic, which is the other, I guess, larger release this week. This is a rhythm game. This is definitely 100% my style. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but it's got a really futuristic aesthetic that kind of calls to mind arcade rhythm games. Uh, which is a big 180 from the current stuff on the Switch that we have, like Voas and Demo, which are a lot more low tempo and kind of feel more like you're playing instruments than playing a rhythm game per se. So if you're a rhythm game fiend, um, Super Beat Sonic will be probably something you really enjoy. I would recommend picking it up. doesn't look to be too pricey, um, sort of in line with how Demo and Voas were priced. So I think it's a solid choice this week. And I think the one game that I've yet to mention, which Andrew and I both played a lot of, was Battle Chef Brigade. Of course. Drumroll, please. <laughs> Put in a better drumroll, editor. <laughs> yeah. So, Battle Chef Brigade. Okay, so um, just to leave with a little disclaimer... Um, I was actually expecting a traditional JRPG. So I know that there were match three, um, there was match three footage in the promotional material and there was, you know, sort of like platforming light combat, but I still thought that the majority of it would be a traditional sort of JRPG in terms of combat influences and narrative and navigation. Um, but it wasn't. Um, 
I still enjoy it though. I mean, I still am really enjoying it currently. And I mean, cooking is the bomb in this game. It is great. Um, and I think it just has enough of those traditional JRPG, JRPG touches to keep me hooked. Like, for example, having specific things to do during the day and having a central conflict every day that you have to resolve to move on. Um, in this case, it's, I guess, an Iron Chef style battle. Um, it's great. Um, it's definitely a one of a kind of experience. I think describing the game to someone else. You know, match three, JRPG, cooking, platforming. It's like, oh, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but I think it all works together really well. What do you think, Andrew? Did you 100% expect it to be this? Yeah, looking at the videos, it turned out to be exactly what I expected it to be. It took on one half, you've got the cooking side, which is a match three puzzle game, but even that's an oversimplification of what it really is. And on the other half, you've got a platforming brawler and it's all really technical uh there aren't that many enemies in the game but if you go and you fight the really big enemies that drop the really uh big and rare cooking material it's uh i don't want to say it uh, it, it's the Arc says Ols days of uh, platformers, yeah. Uh, <laughs> fighting the dragon, okay, uh, just gonna say it. Fighting the dragon takes a lot of practice, and at first it seems yeah. impossible, but then once you get it down, you can blow through them in a few minutes. So yeah, it's exactly like that one game who I don't want to say the name. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I was actually really impressed with how much customization there is in the game. We talked about how in the past, how if you want to go to the effort you can make a vegetarian dish it actually goes much deeper than that where actually uh you do end up using all of the different cooking ovens that you have available to buy and also the expertise books that you can buy that teach you uh different ways to prepare food that earn you bonus points if you do them all correctly uh that really help you develop between the two different characters that you play as in the campaign very specific uh playstyles for each individual player which i really admired i actually found i stumbled into uh one setup on equipment where i could basically ignore everything the judges are asking me for and i rack up so many bonus points on top of each other it doesn't matter i win anyway so mm -hmm. i was a little disappointed that i i was able to bust it open that easily completely by accident but it happened uh and we played a bunch of indie games on switch focus this year i think this one's my favorite so far oh yeah i mean i think i'm gonna be in agreement with you there just because it's fun um it's ridiculously fun um it wasn't what i expected as you guys already know but it's just as andrew described it's just something else entirely i mean i personally am not quite the master chef that andrew is i haven't quite busted the game open yet in terms of finding my speciality in terms of cooking but i'm just having fun like the attention to detail of this game is superb like i've made dishes before where i've changed just one or two ingredients and like the little text or like description that the game will have for your dish will completely change like it will you know, if you can make like, you know, noodles with like a melange of vegetables and something or other. And then another one could be, you know, like a, you know, like a dragon steak with a, an accompaniment of, you know, some red wine jus or something like that. And it's just the detail that they put into all these descriptions and just how the food looks is quite superb. Like dishes look quite distinct from one another when you're cooking them. And even if it's just a couple of ingredients that you've changed in it. And I find that incorporating that into the art um, it's just so impressive 
And I mean, also the art looks amazing. It reminds me of like a little storybook, um, the way things are drawn, the static environments with the selectable, interactable characters. And everything just looks great and it feels great. I don't think the story is particularly deep. <laughs> um, in fact, um, I think I'm currently at chapter four yeah. and I think the bulk of my enjoyment is basically going to be cooking and dueling. I mean, the story is there. It delivers the beats at the right time. But I feel like I might be kind of getting to um the end of it or oh. some sort of like climactic point you feel that way uh, i'm going to talk about that in a minute do, do you want to finish your thought um yeah i'll quickly finish okay. that um so i kind of feel like i'm reaching a climactic moment in the game and i feel like having that happen around chapter four um might not bode too well for the overall length of the game but even if it is a short one i'm i've still been loving it i still enjoy it and i mean there's so much to do in the game that i won't really mind um, what are your thoughts, Andrew? That you're a little bit further than me, aren't you? I am about to start chapter six. I wanted to finish it before Ooh. the podcast, but chapter four and five starts throwing a lot of stuff at you. Do not assume that the game is going to be a certain length based on the first three chapters because uh, <laughs> <laughs> The game is not paced that way. It is paced based on the story it is trying to tell. It is not... Yeah paced like a video game where everything is a uniform cut so i actually greatly admire it for that uh, as a storytelling mm-hmm. device but uh talking briefly about the art which jenny mentioned everything in this game is hand drawn everything it's great to look at there are some problems like uh some of the characters don't have walking animations so when they're entering the arena after they're introduced, they just slide along the ground. It looks a little <laughs> silly, but the fully developed characters who you actually play as, they're fully animated. All the backgrounds are all hand-drawn, uh, and they're all painted. I think it's watercolor, or it's an effect that looks like watercolor. The whole game looks amazing. It's it's really great-looking game. If you're interested in art design, you should probably play it just to look at it. Uh, but as to the story, uh, the story isn't bad. It's just told very strangely. I don't want to give any spoilers, but as Mm. Ginny said, she's in chapter four and there are six chapters and she feels like she's coming to a climax. And I felt the exact same way. And then you get to chapter five and chapter five is a flashback of what a character was doing uh while mina the main character was doing other stuff in chapter three and i don't Uh. understand why it is there that should be chapter four and then mina's big entry into the tournament which is the chapter four that Ginny is playing that should be chapter five i don't understand why it was structured this way because it just it feels like forcing air out of a balloon and it's just making that obnoxious noise it's <laughs> again i know i think i say this every episode but i come to video games from an english background so this stuff bothers me a lot more than it does other people but just narratively i don't understand why it was structured this way and it is make it is sucking some of my enjoyment out of the game but having said that the cooking mechanics and just doing the cooking competitions, even if the reason that they're happening is completely contrived and absurd, is just so much fun. And there is a daily online challenge you can do where you end up competing in asynchronous multiplayer with other people online. I really hope that I come back and keep playing it. I usually don't with video games. Usually when I beat it, I'm done. And then I, I just mm-hmm. move on to the next one. 
I love Battleship Brigade's cooking mechanics so much. I really hope that I can force myself into a state of mind to come back and keep playing it because it deserves it. Yeah, it is really, really good. I'm loving it. And as Andrew said, I'd like to come back once I'm done and just see what other people are making. I mean, even when my opponents um, defeat me by the smallest of margins, um, and it can get a little bit frustrating sometimes, I just like seeing the dishes they get put out and just seeing what flavor combinations there are possible with the ingredients the game gives you. So I feel like I'm always, I guess, on the lookout for something new. And Belshaft Brigade delivers that in spades. So we both highly recommend it. Um, I think we may have convinced Andy into getting it, or at least he was asking about the game length on Twitter. So stay tuned. I'm sure he'll fill us in with his opinion on it next week if he does pick it up. Yeah. At the time of recording, HowLongToBeat.com says it's eight hours. It's not. Do not trust that. It's at least <laughs> at least 12 hours. Okay. But I've never played a synthesis like this. It takes elements of games I've played mm-hmm. before. But I've never played a game like this. It's so awesome. Just buy it. There you go. The Switch Focus seal of approval for Battle Chef Brigade. So that's looking like it for our news for the week. Um, If you come up with anything during the week, send your questions or responses to our Twitter feed at SwitchFocusPod or our Facebook account, or via our website and its handy contact form. So, Andrew, what are you going to play this coming week? I'm going to guess Skyrim and Battleship Brigade. Well, i got one chapter left to finish in Battleship Brigade. I'm going to play Skyrim, and we've got Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2 coming out on Tuesday, so I'll be checking those out. Ooh. Good stuff. Um, it's probably going to be much more Battleship Brigade for me, because I'm still at Chapter 4, and I've got a couple of hours in me, at least, from what Andrew said about the game length. So I'll be playing that. Um, I'll be struggling my way through Skyrim because I'm just terrible at combat, but um, I'll get there. And I will definitely be checking out Super Beat Sonic because I love rhythm games and it's just something that I think is going to resonate so hard with me. So I'm thinking Andy will be playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because he loves JRPGs, uh, much as I do. And I know he's been talking about it for months and months and months. So I'm sure it will consume his week and we'll hear more about it next time. Mm-hmm. Are you not going to be playing Xenoblade, Andrew? I am going to play it. I'm going to give it a shot. Okay, I am. I'm going to give it a good shot. But Andy has already expressed to me on Twitter that uh, he th- he suspects I'm not going to like it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and everything I've seen coming about out about this game, except for the world design, which does look incredible, um, has had me concerned because it looks like the stuff in these types of games that turn me off so uh Mm. i it comes out on a friday i'm gonna give it that weekend to hook me and if it doesn't i i don't know i i I also i finish every game i start i just i have to so (laughs) i might hate play it for all of december but i'm gonna play it all right i'm gonna give it a shot i'm gonna go in it with an open mind (laughs) well we'll see what happens with xenoblade i'm sure we'll end up having three different opinions um on the podcast so you guys can look forward to that next week gosh that is out friday isn't it wow and now we're going to draw things to a close thanks for listening to this episode of switch focus podcast if you enjoyed the episode please leave us a review on itunes it really helps to get us noticed 
You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services, or check out our YouTube channel, where Andrew and Andy regularly upload the first hour of many of the games that we talk about and play on the podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. You can follow us individually. Um, Andy is at Flame Rose Toast. Andrew is at Play Critically. And I'm Ginny at Ginny Rose. Thank you and good night. <laughs>